gonna be a short game and I gotta get home for lunch. Dixie State University has upcoming events for you. On Monday, April 1st, there is the Digital Measures Open Lab from 3 to 5 p.m. in the Holland Building, room 234. On Wednesday, April 3rd, there is the Learning Innovation Forum, This Old House, from 2 to 3 p.m. Thursday, April 11th, is the Lunch and Learn in the Holland Building, room 325, from 3 to 5 p.m. Register now at eventbrite.com. Radio St. George is on Twitter, and we invite you to follow us. Post a video and audio from our shows and other quality tweets. Follow us on Twitter at Radio St. George. Listen to The Pulse, Saturdays at 11 a.m. on Radio St. George 100.3 FM. This is KDXI St. George, Radio St. George at 100.3 FM. And we now present to you On the Arts, an hour of discussion and discovery about the arts in St. George and Southern Utah. And now your hosts for On the Arts, Michael and Christina Harding. Good afternoon, St. George. Hello, hello. This is Michael Harding. And this is Christina Harding. And we're here with On the Arts, that show that is dedicated to blowing the lid off of all of these little artistic secrets that we have here in Southern Utah. We are so dedicated. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. You you can just feel the dedication rolling off of us here. It's a beautiful Thursday, and we're back on the air. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> they haven't kicked us off yet. So that's one of the greatest secrets is that uh, uh, we're going to get kicked off at some point. No, uh, no I hope we're not. We're very likable. So. Okay, mm-hmm. good. Yeah, we have to keep reminding ourselves of that, actually. Yep. Yes. Now, uh, of course, we talked about how we want to blow the lid off of all of these little artistic secrets that we have around here. All sorts of opportunities not only to participate in artistic events, but mm-hmm. also to observe these events. Yes. What do we have coming up? Well, we have many wonderful things coming up. Would you like me to announce all of these? Oh, let me think about it. Here, okay. Okay. Here we go. Do you know what they're going to be doing tomorrow night in Santa Clara? Uh, I have a feeling you're going to tell us. Shakespeare. Oh, yeah. Shakespeare in the Park. They're going to be performing A Midsummer Night's Dream, the Santa Clara Shakespeare in the Park. And all of these are uh, community actors that have gotten together, and it's a free event. And it will start at 8.15 when it's dark, because apparently they have some cool lighting. They have wonderful costumes. And all you have to do is go out to Santa Clara, and it's across from the city hall, and put out a blanket, and under the stars you'll be entertained. Well, and I do want to share a story about what's going to, or another draw, if you will, mm. to this event. Yeah. Uh, up at the Utah Shakespeare Festival, a gentleman named Fred Adams. If you've ever Fred, gone to yeah. the Shakespeare Festival, you, mm-hmm. you can't get away from his name. Yes. But he always mentioned that the real money in the arts comes from concessions, ah. from selling all of those food and uh, all of that food yeah. and all of those snacks. Well, I do understand at the Santa Clara Shakespeare Festival, mm-hmm. if you will, there will be food trucks. Food trucks are arriving. I believe it. Five o'clock. Five o'clock. Yes. So you funny can go. how you brought that up. Absolutely, that's yes. what gets me to the theater. I'll tell you. <laughs> I, I want more than just peanut M and M's. I yes. want you know. I want fajitas. So you I know, want... if your family you want a free event, they will be doing this on the twelfth, the thirteenth, and the fifteenth. So you have three nights. You are able to bring your family out there and watch a free show and introduce your children to Shakespeare and. Be out there in the park with your dog and I understand family. he'll be in attendance, Shakespeare. So he'll be there to Let's meet everybody. Let's hope not. That would be kind of scary. <laughs> That'd be oh, creepy. Yes. And also we have, don't forget about Brigham's Crazy for You. They will be performing that, I believe, for the next two weekends. And this will be the last show that a actor there named Del Hoops, who will be having on the show next week, on our show, uh, he will be leaving Brigham soon to go up to, go up, up to school somewhere. So he's going to be leaving the beautiful St. George area. But it'll be your last opportunity to see him dance and sing on stage. And I believe he directed this show and he and he choreographed it and did the sound design and the lighting, I believe. Maybe I'm wrong, but I'm really making him sound wonderful. But he is a wonderful guy. Sounds so like they should have called it Crazy for Dale Hoops. That's right. And he'll be on next Thursday. But don't, you know, you've got an opportunity to go to Brigham's. And I really enjoy Brigham's. We've talked about that and a cute little space there and how much fun it is. And they also have wonderful concessions also. Their cookies are to die for. Yeah, I understand that all through Act yeah. 1, you hear the cookies, or not hear the cookies, you smell the cookies being yes, baked. Yes, you can smell those wonderful cookies. Yeah. All right. And then also we have another free concert on April 19th. The Southern Utah Heritage Choir will be performing at the Tabernacle. And if you've ever been to one of their concerts, you know it's well worth to go to. It'll be beautiful production, and it's free. 
So there's another event you can take your family to. Will there be food trucks? That is my question. I don't know, but it's it's by the Tabernacle. So, you know, you do have Judd's across the street. So if you want to go get some soup and, you know, roll and candy, and then you can head over to the Tabernacle. And then tomorrow night, we have another special uh, thing on Friday night at the Electric Theater. Lindy Butler will be performing. We had her on our show, and she will be, uh, this is her fourth album, and she'll be doing a showcase of her of her songs, and it's at 7 p.m., and it's only $7 a person or $10 a family to get into this event, and that will be at the Electric Theater, and we want to have everyone go out and support Lindy because we love her, and we... Boy, she was wonderful on our show to sing for us, and I, just a local celebrity. So. And she, I can't get over how fun the title of her newest album is, Buffalo on Roller Skates. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and if and, that intrigues yeah. you at all, come hear her And her I work. did wear the tattoo she gave me for a while. A little, <laughs> yeah, it did finally wear off, but I enjoyed her tattoo. And then another free event, the DSU, that is Dixie State University, Symphony Band will be doing an outdoor concert with the Pineview High School Band at 6 p.m. and at the Amp theater north of the Pineview Middle School, and that is free. And I believe that is tonight. Gotcha. So there's yeah. plenty to do this weekend, actually. Yes, a lot of free events, a lot of paid events that aren't that not, not that expensive. So go out and enjoy. And also, don't forget Art Around the Corner in St. George. And now that the spider has been re- been replaced with a snake <laughs> named Power. I guess that's a step up. I, I do like the snake. I do. But I miss the spider. And I just want the mayor to know that, you know, anytime we can bring that back to St. George, I would really love it. Because I did like the spider. Gotcha. Well, yeah. the spider was a beautiful piece yes. of work. I do have to admit that. Yes. But the fact still remains, it was mm-hmm. a spider. Yes. So. And I love the new. I love the new snake that's up too. That's fantastic. I think yeah. the snake has license plates that it's made out of I'm a portion sure. of it. I'm not sure. I got to go look at it. Drive gotcha. around the roundabout and find out. <laughs> Absolutely. Mm-hmm. That's the assignment we give yes. to our listeners. Go down yes. there and find out. Yes. Yes. And let us know. <laughs> Well, we're happy to have two guests in the studio with us today. Mm-hmm. Uh, double the fun. Double our pleasure. And uh, <laughs> just to introduce these two, uh, of course, I was trying to think, what is my connection to these two that I can tell people about? I don't about? know what that would be. Uh, no. <laughs> well, think about this. Well, yeah. uh, did you know, Christina, yes. that I come from a rather small town? Oh, did you come from a small town? I sh- um, oh, Okay, yeah, we're going to... That was quite good. Thank you. I immediately thought, where's Bruce? Oh, Bruce. But uh, I did come from a small town, a Mm -hmm. little cow town in northern Virginia called Gainesville. Ah. And I kid you not, I went to school with cow farmers and their kids. And uh, the big place to hang out there was not some big upscale place, but it was the southern state's feed, and farm equipment store. Yum. That's where everybody... Yum? Yum. (laughs) They didn't quite have that kind of feed there. I think one of my friends, Charlie Ratcliffe, I think he tried to eat alfalfa uh, pellets one time, and he didn't do it again. But this was fun for me and my friends in, Mm -hmm. in this town. And as you can imagine, drama... And theater was not necessarily the top of people's list of go-to activities in this town. Uh, we had a very, very small drama club. And as a matter of fact, I, I may have mentioned this before, but this is how small the school was. We did not have air conditioning. And this was back Ugh. not too long ago, but this was in the late 1980s. And uh, a lot of kids, when they go to school in this country, they look forward to snow days when there's too much snow to get to school and they listen to the radio at 5.30 in the morning wondering if they're going to be able to get out of school or not, we did not have snow days. We had cow pie days. And I kid you not, these were as exciting. Now, it was not announced over the radio if we'd have school or not, but we knew because we did not have air conditioning and our school was surrounded by cow fields. Oh. We knew. Oh, I know those, where this is going Those now. final okay. months, oh. we knew as the buses would arrive, we would be looking out the window. And if we saw herds of cattle anywhere near the school, we would all start nudging each other. <laughs> it's going to be a cow pie day. Oh. We get out. <laughs> and because, of course, they, they had to open the windows, it sometimes got unbearable. And they would literally let us out of school early. Uh, so we, That's the small place that I came from. And I'm still amazed sometimes that I even had any inkling 
of getting into theater. I didn't know what theater was. I joined the drama club. I think we talked about this uh, a few sessions ago, I think with Philippe Clark Hall, uh, who was a guest with us, uh, that I got into the drama club because there was a cute girl in the drama club. I didn't want to do art. I just wanted to, you know, get closer to Kathy Slater. Now, (laughs) I don't believe these people are actually listening right now. I don't know that we have the wavelength. You would be surprised. I would, yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. I think I might be. So watch it. I will. I will. Yes, I will. Uh, But uh, I never really dreamed that I would get into theater. Mm. And then I moved to Utah. And there are a lot of small towns in Utah. Mm -hmm. I'm just amazed. And, And there's also an amazing amount of not only theater, but also the arts, which is one of the reasons why we're doing this show, to meet the people who have just moved here. I mean, you don't Mm -hmm. necessarily think of St. George as the place to come to for the metropolitan progressive theater, Mm -hmm. but there's a lot going on. Yes. And that's what I find so amazing. And then, of Mm -hmm. course, you go up north to Cedar City, and there's not a lot as far as volume going on, but there are some really great things mm-hmm. going on up there. Mm-hmm. Uh, some things that are getting national attention, some things that will get national attention, some things that just enrich that small community. Mm-hmm. And I would say that's the case all up and down the state of Utah. Now, not only does that amaze me, but also I'm amazed that we have in Utah transplants. Now, I came from a small town in Virginia, but we also have another transplant from another metropolitan mecca of theater, Mm -hmm. Nebraska, (laughs) a small place called Republican City, Nebraska. And that takes me to our first guest today, Chelsea Richards. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Michael. Now, Chelsea was a guest with us back on season one of On the Arts. (laughs) He loves to say that, season one. We're closing out season (laughs) three. Yes. (laughs) Absolutely. Uh, But Chelsea, welcome back to the studio. Thank you. I'm amazed. You're from Republican City, Nebraska. Mm-hmm. Well, that's where our theater is. I'm actually from a smaller town, uh-uh. uh, a little ways away. That uh, doesn't exist. Stamford, Nebraska. Um, town, <laughs> very busy town of 180 people. Oh. Yeah, our entire county there actually does not have a single stoplight. If that gives you an idea of, wow. yeah, I, I challenge you in your small townness. Yeah. <laughs> Yep. The, the glove has been thrown down. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but uh, Republican City is on the other side of the county, um, and that's where I found my start in theater. Just like you said, uh, where I'm from, going into theater, you don't, you don't realize it's an option. You know, growing up, everybody went into farming, or you worked at the hospital, or you, went into, you worked at the school or the bank, and mm-hmm. that was kind of it. There weren't a ton of aspirations beyond that. So it wasn't part of the equation. So it was wonderful to have this little theater on the other side of the county that I found once I was in high school, and I wish I'd found it sooner, um, to kind of open my eyes to what was out there. I found college kids there that were majoring in theater. I didn't know you could do that. Uh, Is there a university there in Republican City? (laughs) No. No. (laughs) (laughs) No, the closest closest university there is about an hour and a half away, uh, University of Nebraska at Kearney, which isn't too far. But yeah, it's a little ways up there. Gotcha. And am I correct that you played a lot of sports as well? Yes. Yeah, that was what I was always going to do until I found theater. And then a lot of people were like, what? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you uh, left the the dream of lucrative sports to go Mm -hmm. into the dream and reality of lucrative theater. Very much, yeah. That that makes sense. (laughs) And by the way, that's something we have a lot of students who say that their parents are telling them, don't go into theater, you'll never make any money. I have to just put in my plug here, codswallop. Yes, you, you might not necessarily be rich, but it is totally possible. Totally possible Mm -hmm. to do. So many options and avenues. Mm -hmm. Now, what do you specialize in theater? So I, my advanced training is in scenic design, but I've done a little bit of everything thanks to that small town beginning. Uh, There's not the luxury of having a specialist in each area there. So you really, for practicality, you learn all aspects of it, which makes your specialty even stronger because you can understand who you're working with. Mm-hmm. Got it. So now you are a practicing professional scenic designer right, right. as well as a teacher here at Dixie State University. Mm-hmm, yeah. uh, let me ask you, what is the first thing that you do when you get a script as a scenic designer? I mean, besides reading Apart it. Apart from reading course. it? Yes. <laughs> that helps. <laughs> well, I, I like to ask myself, what what does this need to feel like? You know, when, when the audience comes into the theater... What do I want their mood to be? How do I want their mood to shift to prepare them to enter the world of the play? Um, So I ask myself that question and try to find an answer for myself. And then I talk to the director and hopefully they align. Um, And if not, we have that discussion. But that's the biggest thing to me is discovering what the the mood of the atmosphere in the theater needs to be. Um, Because to me, that's the most important. The the architecture, the, the furniture, the props, everything beyond that is details. 
uh, but the f- place to start is to to develop the mood. Well, when I watch the video extras of shows like Finding Nemo or Shrek, they talk about how difficult it is to create the entire animated world because nothing exists initially. Uh, I'm always amazed by the fact that theaters really are big zero spaces when you start with, and then you have to create this whole world. Uh, I imagine that takes quite a bit of time. Yeah, it definitely does. And it's it's easy to get caught up in the details sometimes. You want to decide what, what things look like specifically you know what's the wallpaper going to be what is that chair going to be but you have to stop and and rewind a little bit and remind yourself i have to create the 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 universe of the play first the 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 world of it before those details can fit in um so yeah you kind of have to train your brain to to get to that well and and just to give uh, our audience just a little bit of perspective it took marvel 60 hours of movies to create the Marvel Universe that we know. I mean, okay, maybe it's a little different. I don't know. But uh, it, when you first started reading scripts, you said that you discovered it, the Harlan County Dam Playhouse. Mm-hmm. Uh, am I saying that correctly? Yeah, yeah. Uh, you <laughs> discovered that when you were in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, the first time you read a script, did you think, oh, I can picture the set for this? No. How did you get into this? <laughs> so I started um, just as an actor. I, that's you know what I wanted to be at first, just like everybody else. Uh, so, so that's where I went. The first time I was on stage was for Into the Woods, and I just did one of those little bit parts of the princesses at the end. So I was on stage for about two minutes, and I was hooked. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I didn't, it, you know, I was young and naive and didn't realize I need to read the whole thing. I just looked at my part. Uh, <laughs> So you can get away with that when when you're young, young and dumb. Uh, I actually know actors who sit down and the first thing they do before reading it is count the number of lines or go through and highlight all their lines to say, Mm -hmm. oh, there are three big places I'm in this play. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you got to look at the universe first. (laughs) Start with the universe. (laughs) So when did you actually start designing sets? Um, Not until... Uh, 2009 was when I really got into the technical side of things. I had I'd done some stitching and worked in the costume shop before that. Um, but just by necessity, we needed a scenic designer that year or, or someone to build the sets rather, you know, just whatever the director needed because I wasn't anywhere near being able to design yet. Um, but I could try to, you know, screw some things together based on what the director told me as she wanted. Um, so, yeah, that's where I kind of shifted there. And I did that for about a year, year and a half, and then thought, okay, I kind of like this. Maybe I should learn how to do it. <laughs> So I started applying to graduate schools, and, yeah. and luckily for me, somehow, um, Utah State University took me into the MFA program there, and kind of the rest is history. So here I am now. Gotcha. What did you major in before uh, in school? My undergraduate degree is in English. Woohoo! And Lovely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> just, yeah. just like everybody else. Um, yeah, I just I had always done theater, but it I didn't envision it being my path yet. It took me a long time to come around to, you know, like I said, in high school, it, it's not part of the conversation, and... I saw people that were doing it, but it didn't feel feasible yet. Like you said, parents say, you know, you're not going to make a living at that. Nobody's really telling me that, but internally I was thinking it. How can I possibly mm-hmm. make this work, especially being from such a, such a small town, such, such a small area, because I wasn't, I didn't have ambitions yet then to move out of the area. I kind of wanted to stick around. Um, so, yeah, it just took me a while to kind of accept this is where I'm going. This is where my passion is. And <laughs> you make it sound like we need some kind of meeting. I went into theater. I didn't Hi. have an intervention before graduate school. So here I am. <laughs> well, Chelsea, when did you start teaching at Dixie State? Uh, I started here in the fall of 2014. So ah. this, I'm finishing up my fifth year right now. Great. And what classes specifically do you teach here now? Um, so I handle anything that's scenic design or scenic design related. So, mm-hmm. um, of course, the scenic design courses. And then... Um, Period styles, which is like architectural history and interior design Fun. throughout the ages. Yeah, mm-hmm. we start in Egypt and end up now. It's pretty fast paced. Mm-hmm. Um, I teach scenic painting and I do some general classes as well, like intro to theater and uh, FYE, and then also our senior project. Capstone what is courses. FYE? FYE is first year experience. So Aww. kind of the transition into Aww, college. Yeah. This is, yeah, yeah. It's helpful. It <laughs> is. Helpful it's really class. helpful. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> gotcha. So, you went to undergrad, and you were majoring in English, and mm-hmm. then you found theater. Now, you also mentioned you did sports. Did you do sports in college? I, I didn't. I actually gave up a, a volleyball scholarship to take a music <gasps> scholarship, which is when everybody was like, what? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, I had, I had an opportunity, and I decided I wanted to go a different direction. So I, I kind of jumped into English, and I minored in music at first. <laughs> Music. Then, yeah, yeah. I did not know this. Mm-hmm. What did you, what do you? Vocal. Pl- vocal. Mm-hmm. Chelsea. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's what I'm this show is all about. I was, I was in a musical here a few years ago. Well, yeah. well, I didn't know that you were going to pursue this, though. I mean, I thought, you know, it was just a little half, you know, part-time thing that you did, but wow. Uh, no, for a while there, but then, yeah, paths just kind of shifted. That's great. And you say I vocal. Didn't... Was there a particular style you were yeah. doing? Were you doing classical? What were you? I was actually doing both. Uh, it was classical and musical theater, mostly because I wanted to do musical theater, ah. and my vocal coach and the, the music faculty wanted me to get into classical. So I, I fought as hard as I could, but also did what they told me I had to do, yeah. <laughs> and kind of did a bit of a crossover mm-hmm. type of style, yeah. Well, it's interesting. Phil and I actually had a conversation a little while ago, which I would like to get your perspective on as well. We talked about the notion of teaching because you want to and teaching because you have to. And in a profession like the arts, uh, of course, we always want to get out there and we want to get our hands dirty. We really want to do the work and the artist work. Um, Did you always want to be a teacher beyond Oh, it was it was definitely a thought when I when I originally went for English. I was I was thinking English education at the high school level. So mm. it's it's been there. Yes, um, it just yeah ended up going a different way again. But yeah, it's definitely a teach because I want to mm-hmm. in this mm-hmm. instance um, because it is important to me growing up like I did and taking so long to to realize what I what I realized that um, other people kids growing up have an opportunity to see what's possible like you said it is possible to to make a living in this industry and if people aren't doing it if teachers aren't communicating that then more mm-hmm. people grow up like I did and maybe they don't they they aren't awoken to it mm-hmm well, and I do have to point out as well that you do work professionally. Uh, you mm-hmm. introduced me to a theater in New Jersey, the mm-hmm. Cape May Stage. Yeah. And mm-hmm. uh, I have to admit, when I went out there, we talk small towns. <laughs> We're talking a small theater oh, uh, here. Yeah. It, it's cute. And not only that, but there's good work oh, there, that yeah. happens there. there really, yeah. really good work. And that's your, um, were you a resident scenic designer there or just a regular scenic designer? Um, no, I, so my one of my uh, graduate school professors, is he works there regularly and, and runs that playwright symposium that we've been to. Um, so he took me out there with him um, as an assistant designer for one of his scenic designs uh, while I was in graduate school. And then I was hired back after that to do a couple of scenic designs for a few years after that. Well, mm-hmm. What's so weird about this being such a small world, not only small uh cities and towns and such, mm-hmm. is another friend of mine, a, a former student who we've known for a while, Spencer Potter. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I was up there at Cape May, and I, I remember hearing rumors that he might be there, but I'm in New Jersey, New Jersey, <laughs> New from Jersey. Utah, mm-hmm. right. and it, I, I walk into the theater for this playwright symposium that I was a part of, <laughs> and I hear, Michael! And I turn around, and there's Spencer Potter, for Pete's <laughs> sake. It, it is really odd how small this world yeah. can be. And how smaller he was. Yeah. yeah, he was my roommate in graduate school, so there you go. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, there are only six people on the planet, and four of them are here in the studio. Two of you are listening. So, anyways, are are you planning to go back to Cape May Stage? I know you spend your summers at Harlan County Dam Playhouse. Yeah, I'd love to. It's not in my schedule right now is the problem, yeah. And gotcha, do you help run the the theater, the Harlan County? Yeah, yeah. So we reorganized in 2009 under the name Harlan County Dam Playhouse. Um, and since then, I have been acting as managing producer, and I'm also on the, the board of directors for the nonprofit organization. Right. Gotcha. Yeah. And like you said, you do everything there. Mm-hmm. You act and you direct and you build sets and scenery. Well, and, and, and you've set. also taken students from Dixie yeah, there. Yeah, lots of them. Summer. Yeah, and we're taking another couple this summer. Great. Um, and it's great. I, I love watching them grow up like I did there. Uh, and, and seeing them have that experience and, and getting to work all angles and getting to forget about what does this mean for my grades and, and what do I have to turn in for homework and just living theater mm-hmm. for a little while. It's really great to get the opportunity to pass that along. Yeah. When I think uh, we've all, as theater artists, you did start out at that place of mm-hmm. being young, and I never knew I was being taken advantage of. I never knew that I was slave labor. <laughs> These guys get paid. I didn't back then, but they do. Yeah. I know. I was told, yeah, the experience and, and, and the pay is the, <laughs> the, is the ardor that yes. you go through. I didn't know you could make actual money with it. Yeah. Now, now, speaking of the slave drivers of theater, Uh-oh. there is oh. uh, another position that is represented here in the studio, and before we go to break where we've got uh, some commercials as well as some news and weather before Mm -hmm. we come back. Uh, We'll be talking more to 
Phil Haslam,、mm-hmm. who is a technical director.、Mm-hmm. Now, I do understand that there are some other names for that job.、Uh, slave driver <laughs> is is one of them, perhaps. Hey, don't、um, touch that. Hey, don't but, touch that. <laughs>、uh, hey, yeah, don't touch that. That is not、that. a hammer. <laughs> Please put that down. <laughs>、uh, and also several other things.、Uh, Phil, welcome to the show. Thank you, Michael. And、uh, just to give a little introduction to yourself, are you from a small town as well? I certainly am. I'm from the small town of Ephraim, Utah. My word! If we if we have had a few New York theater artists、uh, here in the studio, and our brains kind of exploded because they were like, "Oh my gosh, you're from a big place!" But so from Ephraim, Utah. Gotcha. And what brought you here to Southern Utah? Originally, the Shakespeare Festival. I.、Uh, I took a job with them back in、uh, 1995. Oh my goodness! A long time ago. Was there theater back then? Yes, there was. <laughs> and, and Fred was was there as well at、Hi. that time. So <laughs> Fred Adams, he's actually someone that would be great to get in here to、yeah. chat with folks. He absolutely would if he could remember anything. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa! We'll see if he's listening、uh, to the show. <laughs> he wouldn't remember if he was. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's that's not that's not nice to say. I just know that he's he's getting on in years, and I I think he's you know. Losing a little bit. <laughs> well, I'm going to say what a wonderful time for, yes,、we'll、to, to take、break. a little break here. <laughs> so we have in the studio Phil Haslam, Chelsea Richards. We're going to continue talking about some of the backstage stuff that、mm-hmm. happens in the creation of theater. So enjoy the news, enjoy the weather, enjoy the promos, and、okay, we'll get back to you in just a bit. Bye bye. I'm Sarah Schneider for Early Music Now. Join me next time for Music for Holy Week, including Tenebrae Responses by Victoria, selections from The Tears of Saint Peter by Orlando de Lasso, Passion Music by Bach and Buxtehude, and more, with performances by the Reicherkar Consort, Tenebrae, and Ars Nova. That's next time on Early Music Now. Early Music Now, Thursdays at 11 on Radio Saint George 100.3. Dixie State University Women's Resource Center and the Dove Center present "What Were You Wearing?" a sexual assault awareness exhibit from April 1st through the 19th. The opening reception will be held April 1st at 3 p.m. at the Outdoor Holland Plaza and is free. The "What Were You Wearing?" exhibit is April 1st through the 14th in the Holland Commons main lobby and April 15th through the 19th in the Eccles Fine Arts Center lobby. Follow their interactive display on Instagram at "What Were You Wearing?" Addiction is an epidemic, and the lines of communication need to be opened. I'm Heston Cherry, and Mondays at three, we open up and share our stories from addiction to recovery to hope and resources. There is light at the end of the tunnel of addiction. Mondays at three on Radio Saint George 100.3 FM. Our place on the internet, RadioStGeorge.com. Welcome back to Radio Saint George 100.3 with On the Arts, and now your hosts, Michael and Christina Hardy. And welcome back. Hello. Now I I want to point out something that there's、uh, an exciting opportunity for anybody who's listening out there.、Mm. You can actually see what goes on here in the studio. We were、yes. just discussing this with our guests. Yeah. We are doing a live video feed on Facebook. You can check it out by going to Radio Saint George on Facebook. That's Radio Space S T Space George, and you'll find not only a live feed of this、mm-hmm. show, but also every single show that we have done over、yes. three. Seasons. Three seasons. Yes, I love to、yeah. say that.、Uh, it, you can find it all on、uh, the Facebook page,、yep. Radio Saint George, and you can also visit us at On the Arts with Michael and Christina Harding on Facebook. We'll not only、uh, give you commentary on what's going on, but we'll also post. The shows that we have, the the、mm-hmm. video feeds.、Mm-hmm. You can also check us out on YouTube if you type in "On the Arts" with Michael and Christina Harding. You're going to get every one of our shows popping up on your your option, your feed. That, that I'm back from、know. 1995 too, back, Phil. Honey, yeah, I, you're I going, don't know. You're going there. <laughs> But check it、Keep、out. Going. You, you can check us out <laughs> dancing to that wonderful music that is the liner of our show. Yes, yes. But anyhow, getting back to our show here, we、yeah. were talking to Phil, Phil Haslam. Welcome、yeah. back, Phil. 
Well, I'm still here. Hey, Phil. <laughs> and I want to thank you Doesn't for not running. Does he have a class to teach right now? I don't know. <laughs> uh, uh, your students are wondering what's going on, Phil. <laughs> I'm afraid they are. I just walked out. You on left. It. Yeah, you're like, you guys can handle it. Yeah. <laughs> so, Phil, you mentioned that the Shakespeare Festival brought you down here to Southern Utah. Yes. Mm-hmm. I got to say, we probably have, if that was 1995, now, you and I, we're both not on the young side of things. Sure so we are. I, <laughs> young at heart. Mm-hmm. I, I have to ask you, what were you doing before that? How did you get into theater? Where are you from? Who okay. the heck are you? Who are you, Phil? <laughs> okay, well, I did grow up in Ephraim. Uh, before that, in Richfield for a few years. But my dad was a, a high school drama teacher. And then he went <laughs> to Snow College. And you've probably heard of Snow College. Yes. Or you probably haven't. I don't know. <laughs> it's a small place. But uh, he was the head of the theater department there for like 25 years. Okay, let's, let's put it in perspective. He was the theater department for, for 25, 25 years. years. Yeah, okay. <laughs> he was the only one there. He did everything. He had help from one of the English teachers, and that was about the size of it. So huh. that's what got me into it. I, I was in my first play when I was like seven or eight. I got to uh, ask, what was that? South Pacific. Gotcha. The, the two little boys. It was my brother and I. So <laughs> I was going to say you played both little boys or just your brother? I did. I ran across the stage and went around and ran across again. Oh, De- moi. No, moi. No, yeah. moi. Yeah. That's, that was <laughs> nice. the song. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, anytime my dad needed kids, he started with, with the family. With his so own. <laughs> it, it was my older brother and mm. I that, that got most of the work Ooh. in high school and then on into college. And I just kept going from there. Got it. Now, was that Lou? I, I know both of your brothers, but I don't know who's older, actually. No, I'm, I'm older than Lou, so oh, he's okay, the younger it. brother. He's, he's five years younger, so he missed all of the stuff uh, when, when my dad taught high school, but he got into it when, when, we, got to call, when, he, when we got to Ephraim and he was on the, in a college there. Well, I'll tell you, when I first went to the Shakespeare Festival back in 1997, I heard about the Haslam brothers, and uh, I had no—I didn't know who you guys <laughs> like were. Sounds like a band. A bad one. Oh no, <laughs> a real bad. Guys one. in black. It was the choice between Hanson and the Haslam brothers, <laughs> and they went with Hanson. <laughs> but so, so you did do theater with your father when he was the drama department. Yes, absolutely, and I—I I did everything. That's where I learned to to build scenery, basically. Oh. Got it. And did you do that out of necessity? You were an actor on stage and he needed somebody to swing the hammer? or? Well, I don't know. I, th- I think from the very beginning I was more interested in that because even, uh, even when we were in Richfield, uh, I would tag along with him up to the theater when he, he did stuff. And he did some summer productions, which I was in. Um, and I just liked to be with him and go do what he was doing. And so he said, fine, if you're going to be here, you're going to work. Here's a paintbrush, paint that flat. And yeah. that's where, where that part of it started. Yeah. So I, I learned by painting and learned how to do a lot of different textures the old school way. Mm. <laughs> yeah, we've had many conversations about how we know the old school yeah. ways, yeah. but now we need to go to people like Chelsea yeah, who we know do. the new school Cause, ways. Yeah, because the new school ways are a lot easier than the way we did it. <laughs> Beating our hands to death with a brush to get a nice spatter on. And now there's better ways. <laughs> I what? still do it that way. Oh, okay. Oh, you're good. You're old school then. <laughs> but I do have to say, that, and this isn't me saying, in the old days... But uh, we've talked about this when learning to design lights or focus the lights, which I have, I still have calluses on my hands in various places where I grabbed the light in the wrong place. Uh, yeah. But uh, especially with sound, back when I learned how to do sound and sound design and such, we had a razor blade and we had the tape. <laughs> and you had to put those little colored dots on the tape and you had to cut it and splice it and glue it just fine. And uh, Colored dots, what are those? <laughs> those were a new thing, Phil. Yeah, apparently, because we had a grease pen and we'd, we'd <laughs> scribble on it and try and make that work. And now, you know, the kids look at us and they say, well, you just hit this button and it does that for you. Yeah, yeah they've got such a magical way of doing it and they are always amazed when I start talking about a reel-to-reel tape cord- tape recorder, and they have no idea what it is, and they want to see one. So I do have one in the classroom that I can show them and say, this is the old way we used to do it. And they say, does it even work? Oh, Well, we tried to make it work, but I think it needs to be cleaned. Yeah. <laughs> I remember we did a production, uh, gosh, a few years ago where it involved a rotary phone. And we set it on stage, and didn't we have an actor who just stared <laughs> yeah, at it? Yeah, they stared. Yeah. How do you work this? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I get a lot of that. Yeah. 
Yeah, I guess any we call them period plays, uh, but I suppose you could go all the way back to 1992, and that would be a period play. Mm-hmm. Now. Mm-hmm. For some of these kids, I think yeah. it would be. Right. Mm-hmm. But uh, it, you grew up uh, acting and doing everything. You said your first show was South Pacific. Did you do a lot of musicals? Uh, my dad did a musical every year mm-hmm. uh, that I remember. So, you know, there was uh, South Pacific, then there was The King and I, uh, Music Man, Little Abner, um, and what was that other one? <laughs> oh, you know, that other musical. Annie Get Your Gun. Ah. <laughs> Got it. Yeah. So uh, I was just going to say there, there was a girl in that show who played my sister, who was also my sister in The King and I, who is also my sister in Peter Pan. <laughs> and, of course, by then she graduated from college and went on her way. But uh, she is still my sister to this day. So whenever we, we see each other, we are <laughs> brother and sister. <laughs> and so do you get on stage anymore, Phil? I, I why, remember. Why do you ask? To hang lights. <laughs> yeah, to hang lights. Yeah. To put the scenery up. I saw the up. other day. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, there, there was a production not too long ago of something that rhymes with schmizzard of schmoz, mm-hmm. uh, uh, yes. where you played the wizard, I believe. Yeah, the Wizard of Oz. Uh, unfortunately, somebody talked me into that. She's kind of sitting next to me. Well, one of them. One of them that helped twist my arm. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, you are about to hear a brawl here in the, well, in the Phil, studio. Phil, when did you come to Dixie? Oh, a semester before Chelsea did. Wow. Uh, yeah, it would have been January of, uh, of 2014. Okay. So. And what classes do you teach at Dixie? Oh... All of stagecraft. them? Stagecraft. Yeah, all, all of them. Of them yeah. If it's technical, I teach it. Stagecraft Fantastic. is my big one. Uh, that's, you know, a beginning course on how to build scenery and, and how the stage works and, and what's on the stage. Um, I do lighting design and sound design as well. And my next, I guess, my next favorite is stage management. That, that's uh-huh. one of my favorite classes. Uh-huh. Well, these are all positions that I know a lot of people may not know exactly what they do specifically. Mm-hmm. I know when a lot of people go to a show, they talk about the acting because, of course, the, the actors are front see, and center. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And those are the artists, everybody else, who are those people. And one of the things that I hope people do start realizing and understanding is that every single person who works on that show, whether it be in pre-production, whether it be mm-hmm. in production, is an artist. Mm-hmm. And we mentioned earlier that you're a technical director. That doesn't mean you just swing a hammer and, you know, know exactly where to put the carriage bolts. See, I took stagecraft Ooh, at one point. <laughs> but it, nice. it does mean that you figure out how do you b- build this stuff? Mm-hmm. How do you build what the scenic designer creates and, and presents as an idea to you? Mm-hmm. Um, how much creativity goes into what you do? I, I think there's a lot of creativity. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the, the scenic designer kind of leaves that wide open for me. And Chelsea is... is you know, I I think because I've worked with with her the longest uh, over my over the period of time that I've done this, she's she's become my favorite, and Aww. quite <laughs> she's smiling. <laughs> the brawl is over, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I'm just trying to make up. For uh-huh. it. No, I I ask her about how how she wants things done because I I have worked with scenic designers in the past that you know they design something and they say now this has to be built this way, I want it built this way. And of course, sure, whatever you say, and I build it that way, and then they want to know why it doesn't work. Mm. But, but Chelsea is always open to when I ask, how do you want this built? She says, whatever way it takes to make it look good and to make it work right. So that leaves it open for me that I can then choose the materials or the, the process or, mm. or whatever so that I can build it my way. And that's, that's where my artistry comes in, I guess. Mm. Well, I'll tell you, a, a trend that I'm seeing amongst theater artists and not only the ones that we've talked to here in the studio, but also that I've worked with, uh, you know, personal experience everywhere, not just here, mm. is that the artists that I consider to be the most pleasant to work with, the ones that I consider to be... Uh, the most giving creatively are the ones that have come from backgrounds like the two of you have mentioned where you had to do everything. You understand Mm -hmm. every part of the theater, not just what you do. I mean, there certainly is the stereotypical actor out there. (laughs) I knew I wanted to act from the time I I emerged from the womb and delighted the world with my dulcet tones. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, You know, there certainly are artists like that or there are certainly a lot of people who say, I don't act, I simply do, da, 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 da. 
And I think all around, the ones that are the most fun to work with are the ones that understand mm. what every other person is going through. Would you find that to be the case? Oh, absolutely. And I I think it makes a difference in in who you work with. I mean, you, for example, you've done lights, you've done sound. Uh, so I, I find that to be more giving in a lot of senses because you're open to, well, I know what that's like, so go ahead and do it your way. But I do have some ideas, if you don't mind, and I, I like that part too. Mm-hmm. Well, say for the last project that we collaborated on, mm-hmm. I remember there was one time in the Black Box Theater, and this was the production that just closed, Wake of Jamie Foster, and we were sitting there. This was over spring break. And I remember looking at you saying, I kind of want this kind of effect. And you said, yeah, that'd be nice. And I looked at you and said, how do we do that? And you just said, I have no idea. <laughs> so <laughs> we have to figure this out. Yeah, that, that happens a lot. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, somebody wants something. And, and a lot of that happened in two of the previous shows, The Wizard of Oz being one of them. And... Um, I'm sorry, I forget the names of shows that we do. <laughs> Alice in Wonderland <laughs> right. being the other one where Chris Davies, being the director of that, asked for things that I'm like, yeah, I know it can be done. I'm not sure how, but give me some time. We'll figure it out. Mm-hmm. And we figured them all out. Mm-hmm. Um, and that has to do with, you know, flying the witches. How do we get her out of the house? Let's do some things. Try this or try that. And we talked about different things. And, and flying, uh, who was that in Alice? March Hare. Oh, the March Hare, yeah. We flew the March Hare out. And that that's in the black box. And that's not a place designed for flying people. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's got a low ceiling. It's got lights that are in the way. And how do we get them out? Well, we played around with it until we could figure mm-hmm. out a way. And we got the March Hare to fly out. It took somebody flying in on the other end, but we still made it work. And See, it, was it, it was, Donovan on the other side? No, it was, uh, it was Brooks that, yeah. that did that. But it worked out really well. And I, I don't think that anybody really noticed that he came in when she went out because he dropped to the floor. They weighed very much close to the to the same way so it was a counterbalance and she'd fly out he'd drop in he'd disconnect his rope and turn and walk out and i don't think anybody even knew he'd been there except maybe people sitting right next to it and saw him out of the corner of their eye coming in Mm -hmm. one of my favorite effects from that show the wizard of oz uh and i never noticed this until i walked into the space and the scene actually happened was the table for the uh, the tea party. It was hanging above our heads the whole time. Oh, you mean Alice in Wonderland. Al- Alice in Wonderland. Yeah. No, I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> besides the table that flew in for Wake of Jamie Foster and Love Love. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you missed a lot of magic stuff wow. in that one. Wow, okay. <laughs> but it, it was really cool, and it just came in, and it's something that you don't expect in a small space like the black box, and that just made it neat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she she had said she wanted something for that, and I can't remember how it started. Um, it it may have had something to do with the fact that the table was so big, uh, because oh, it had to be. We couldn't big. figure out where to store it off stage. Yeah, that that's what it was. There, if you've been in the black box, uh, there's like what two feet <laughs> beyond the curtains, yeah. between the curtains and the wall. You can barely walk back there, let alone store scenery. So, this table was was big enough so that. The characters, particularly the Mad Hatter, could get up on the table and dance around and run up and down the table. And still, we had to put it somewhere. And there was no place to put it. And I think it was Chris finally said, well, can we fly it out of here? And I said, to where? There's there's nowhere to go. (laughs) So we figured out that, yeah, Yeah. there was a little space if we could just get it to fly up in there. But then I said, now you've got ropes, you've got cables, you've got all of this stuff that's going to be in the way. How do you handle that? She figured out a way. So that we could fly it in, somebody would disconnect it, and she just worked it into a kind mm-hmm. of a transition of that table coming in. And people disconnecting it, things flying out, nobody really paid a lot of attention to it, I guess. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I did because I knew how it was done, and I was always watching it to mm. make sure they were doing it right. So. <laughs> well, that's where – when you go to a show, Phil, do you actually get – uh, taken away into the story, or do you, as a technical director, look at it and say, yes. I could have built that differently, or why'd you do that? Yeah. I, I don't know if I say I could have built it differently, but I'm like, why did they do that? <laughs> 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 or is that is that CG, or or did they really do that kind of thing uh-huh. right there? So, yeah, I, I, I do look at those things. I look at the technical aspects of it, and it, 
you know, I sometimes I think it, it really has to be a good show for me to get caught up to the point where I'm forgetting all of that. Mm-hmm. And I guess that that's the the I guess the measure of of a, of a really good show, where if it can draw me into it and I'm not watching the technical stuff, then it's got to be really mm-hmm. good. And and that happens right. quite often. But sometimes mm-hmm. I just sit and look at all of the goofs and stuff that they do technically mm-hmm. speaking. <laughs> well, let me ask you, Chelsea, as a designer, and certainly I, I don't mean to say you're a designer, Phil is not. Phil's a tech director, you are not. I think it's pretty clear that mm-hmm. we all do a lot of things with this. When you design a set, Chelsea, do you have the tech director in mind, or do you design it and then say, now let's Here figure out how to do this? <laughs> no. She doesn't care. <laughs> it's actually something that when I went to grad school, um, they they tried to kind of beat out of me uh was was thinking practically that way so no i i'm always thinking is is this possible um and and going to phil and asking i think so i i I want this thing to look like this but i don't see a way that it's possible do you and then sometimes yeah he'll he'll have a way or we can come up with a way or research research something so yeah i i definitely always have there's a there's a saying i've been hearing all over the place lately begin with the end in mind um, I, I do. I definitely huh. always have that end result um, so that when I'm thinking at the beginning, I'm I'm planning for how to finish it at the end. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. And uh, how often do your designs change throughout the process? Every time. Okay, got it. <laughs> always. Yeah. Nobody gets a, f- a perfect first draft. Mm-hmm. Nobody does. Um, that's why, I mean, as an actor, you go through and your first rehearsal is not your, your end result. No. Mm-hmm. Um, we're always, that's, that's what theater's about. It's collaboration. And as you, as you go through the whole thing, somebody's going to come up with an idea or something's going to come to me. And there's always ways to improve that you can't see when you're planning mm-hmm. initially. So yeah. And, and being open to that is, is definitely a strength mm-hmm. for, for designers and actors, directors, everybody along the way. Um, because there's there's always ways to improve. Well, I remember the first meeting of the wake of Jamie Foster was a production meeting that we all had, and the discussion was how do we throw the pie every night, and the plate had to break every night. Mm-hmm. And then it was so exciting to see that from that meeting to when the opening of the show, how they had figured that out, and you'd helped your students figure out how to design these props and mm-hmm. how to throw the pie and how to make the little English peas. I thought that was ingenious. <laughs> But the breaking of the plate every night, so people really thought that was a plate. They thought, well, did you just guys go out and buy a plate? I'm like, no, <laughs> they had to make a plate every day yep. to do that night. So, yep. And that's something that, that's nice, I think, to point out because the audience doesn't get to see when they, when they see a show. They don't see the script, you yeah. know, ahead of time that sometimes literally says such and such happens by magic. I've seen that in a script. And then it's like, <laughs> okay, so now... We have to figure out how to do that without magic because we live in the actual world where ah. physics are a thing. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, the 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 artistry that that Michael that you were asking Phil about, like that has to exist yeah. because there are problems that are put in front of us for every production mm-hmm. that that have to have those kind of creative solutions. So yeah, mm-hmm. That's, I had the pleasure of talking to a playwright named David Ives, and that was actually at the Playwright Symposium mm-hmm. that. Uh, you, Chelsea, introduced me to at Cape May. It was a great experience, and I owe you a lot for <laughs> opening uh, you know, my eyes to that experience. But in talking to David Ives, he has this one short play that he wrote called Mere Mortals. And it's a wonderful play, but it takes place on a girder of a building that's being raised. And I think it's on the 42nd floor or something. And you have these three construction workers who they turn out to be famous people. One turns out to be the Lindbergh baby and another mm-hmm. one turns out to be, you know, Marie Antoinette reincarnated. And it's a goofy play. But at the beginning, in the stage directions, there are, uh, you know, little things indicated like a newspaper flies by just out of reach or a pigeon comes and lands on the girder and then flies away. And I asked him straight out when we had a, a question and answer period, I said, when you write those stage directions, do you have an idea of how you'd like it done? And he is, and first of all, I don't think he's listening, but he looks like a ghoul. I'll, I'll tell you, I mean, he's a very, um, uh, a very dominating, I guess, presence. He, he looks like, he looks very creepy. I'm just going to be real <laughs> honest about this. Nice guy, but he looks kind of creepy. And he stared at me with those eyes. And at first I thought I'd offended him by asking that question. But then his mouth went into this little wry smile. And he said, that's part of the joy of being a playwright. I write it. The director has to figure that out. And he actually indicated that sometimes he does put stuff in the stage directions. Not necessarily it happens by magic, but just things 
that he can just sit back in the rehearsals and say, how are you going to do that? Oh, wow. <laughs> Passive aggressive. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> if, very nice guy. I do have to say, David, if you are listening, I apologize oh, yeah, for saying yeah. that. Yeah. But You only called him a ghoul. So. <laughs> a ghoul. <laughs> I think that we were all saying that, and he actually laughed about it. It wasn't something we said behind his back. But uh, anyhow, th- there is a lot of artistry that goes into all sides of theater, and not just theater, but all sides of performance. Yeah. Um, and you look at a concert, for example, and I know uh, both of you and myself, we've all worked backstage at concerts. We've all worked at setting up the sound mm-hmm. shell or uh, worked at getting the acoustics just right. This isn't something that just has to happen in the theater world. Uh, I know we talked to Chewy Lockhart, one of our mm-hmm. former guests, uh, about working not only theatrical events, but also conferences and mm-hmm. things like that. Yeah. We also had Deward Wilson on here talking about that. Uh, have either of you ever worked outside the realm of theater with these specialties? Um, yeah, I've, I've done some some event installations uh, for designers where, I, for instance, one was like a national convention, convention where they were giving out, uh, or it was an international convention where they were giving out a, a really coveted prize. And so they wanted, they, they had it uh, scheduled for the convention center in Provo. And they wanted it to look nice and not just look like a convention center. So, yeah, one of one of the scenic designers up there designed all of it and I got to be part of the installation and kind of guide all of that and yeah you, talking to the people who worked at the convention center really that opened up my eyes to that I hadn't thought about that before but it's usually theater technicians who get hired on for jobs like that because they already understand how yeah. most of it works and what the what the end what desire is for for how things are supposed to look mm-hmm. well so parents who are listening out there uh, thank you very much for considering allowing your child to yes, go into theater and such. Yeah. Now, I do have to say, we're actually out of time, uh, which always happens on this show. Phil, I saw you expectantly having something to say. I apologize. But we have a little something that we've just started. Well, we just want to give both of you our post-its of 100.3 FM Radio St. George on the Arts. Only lucky people get these. And you, <laughs> this is your little award for coming on our show today. Thank you. Yes, and aren't you lucky? It has even the little drawings of singing people on it. So, <laughs> isn't that beautiful? No, yeah. as, as we said, that's really nice. Yeah. I, I appreciate this is this is better than any of the swag. That well, I got yeah, at, at the this, last convention this, this, I went everyone, to. Everyone, well, everyone will be jealous of you. You know this, <laughs> right? As we like to say, Chewy Lockhart helped us come up with this. Yeah. We don't have swag. We have swagger here at Swagger, yeah. (laughs) Now, thank you so much to our guests for joining us today. And also, thank you for listening. And we hope until the next time you hear from us, which is on Tuesday at 4 p.m. Mm -hmm. With Adam Mast, we hope that you'll keep your focus on the arts. You've been listening to On the Arts with Michael and Christina Harding. Search Facebook, YouTube, Podbean, Spotify for Radio St. George to view video and podcasts of this show or go to RadioStGeorge.com. Join us Tuesdays and Thursdays at 4 for On the Arts on Radio St. George 100.3.